Hello, welcome to the American Pen Mills podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and with me is the other host. Is the uh, sucked into his phone, Jeremy. Michael, how in the world are you doing? Well, now I'm doing good. Uh-huh. Uh, we're kind of all over the place with our recording schedule and when these apps are coming out. Uh, but but you know, Michael, it's turned into a bit of a, uh, a backdoor blessing. Yes, which, which which sounds weird because there's been a lot of news going on. <laughs> yeah, in the beer world, yes, that we we would not have gotten to in a eh, relatively timely manner if we had stuck to our original recording schedule. Right, things worth mentioning and getting our personal thoughts on, whether you like it or not. I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I think that you're wanting it, but. Uh, eh. Or not. Who cares? I don't care. Whatever. Right. You think you're big? You think you're better than me? <laughs> think you're better? Do, do, um, I, I have no clue what that is from. That was supposed to be the DX theme. Um, oh, God. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, then. But what I do care about, Jeremy, is your beer break. What do you got for me? So, Michael, this is one of those beers that's been uh, coming out around this time of year for a few years now that I have always wanted to try but just never pulled the trigger. And it is from our old friends at Bell's Brewing in Mm -hmm. Comstock, Michigan. It is Arabicadabra. Oh, yeah. I think I've had that. Mostly because of the name and the delightful (laughs) fiddle-dee-dee on the... uh, on the bottle. But this is, uh, here's some color text for you. A little brewer's magic transforms locally roasted Arabica beans and a variety of specialty malts into a creamy, intense coffee stout. Enjoy before it disappears. Arabica Dabra is brewed with a cold coffee extract made at the brewery using a combination of fair trade, organic Nicaraguan coffee beans and Sumatra coffee beans. Lactose is also used for creaminess. Those with dairy allergies or sensitivity should take note. It was inspired by Milch Cafe, another specialty Bell's beer. Uh, 5.5%. Um, it's very good. It's a solid uh, coffee cream stout. Yeah, I can't remember when I had that, but I, was, I don't know. I need to try that again. I think it was the uh, the slightly elevated price point that kept me away from it, but mm-hmm. I finally pulled the trigger, and it's it's a very good beer. Um the milk stouts get a little bit too sweet for me at times, so I yeah. can't. It's not one of those I can have more than one or you know it tops two in an evening. But it is very very good. I'd like to see what they could do with this, but a drier version. Okay, but that but that's just me. Okay, what about you, Michael? I had a. I think that is this a Polish beer? Oh boy. Should have looked into that. Is there a lot of CZW? There's a Z in it and a K. It's called Kozlak, or I assume that's how you pronounce it anyway. K-O-Z-L-A-K? Yes. It's a Bach beer, and I was looking for some flavor text. Couldn't find any online, but on the bottle, featured prominently beneath a goat's head and some goat's horns. That's pretty sweet. Um, it says, secret, period. Okay. Each brewer knows only part of it. They meet once a year. That's why you hold an exceptional beer. Kozlak, the secret of brewers. <laughs> so it's like the Windows 95 code or something like that. But it was really good. Uh, it was just a nice burst of caramel malts that was clean tasting, not too sweet, just a nice solid Bach. 
uh, very robust on point and really enjoyable. Almost no downside to it, really. It's nice, straightforward, and delicious. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And where is this brewery from? Did I miss that part? Theoretically, let's see. I'll click this link and, yes, Poland, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, M- Michael. Oh, My- yeah. What's going on? I- I'm I'm getting a uh, a last-minute uh, American Pale Mail Mail Pale. Okay. In regards to the podcast, and we should pull the uh, curtain back. It's Our schedules have been wacky, as we said. Uh, I don't remember what we've said or when we said it, but Council of the Great White North oh. has chimed in on oyster stouts. Oh, yeah. That must have been three, two? I don't know, who, I'm not even going to speculate. What does he say? He says, in regards to the podcast, Rocky Mountain Oyster Stout, which is a delightful name, from Wincoop was pretty tasty, a mildly smoky stout. Because if I remember correctly, we were having trouble discerning what made it an oyster stout. That's right. That was on the Uniques episode that was two episodes ago. And we were talking about kind of rare, unique beers. Oh, God. Okay, interesting. So here's the press release on Wincoop releasing their first cans of Rocky Mountain Oyster Stout. We're certain that this is the ballsiest canned beer in the world. We also believe it's the nation's first two-pack of cans. The beer is made in tiny eight-barrel batches instead of the usual already small 20-barrel batch and is the first in our new, even smaller batch series of beers. Uh, Here's the description of the recipe. A meaty foreign-style stout. Rocky Mountain Oyster Stout is made with Colorado-based malts, roasted barley, seven specialty malts, Styrian Goldings hops, and 25 pounds of freshly sliced and roasted bull testicles. Interesting. And so, Council of the Great White North? Not he, bad. He gave it a thumbs up. Oh, yeah. you know, I guess. Can't dispute that. I've not had it. <laughs> Look for these nutty new twofers oh, in the best Denver area stores. Have a ball, Michael. Okay. Okay, guys. You're having fun. Yeah, we yeah. get it. Win- Wincoop Brewing Company. I'd never heard of them. Here's a little bit. Of oh, I've been there. Oh, really? Uh, they are Colorado's first brew pub, home to tastemakers and rule breakers, bushwhackers, and envelope pushers. For almost three decades, we've been brewing handcrafted beers in our modest basement brewery beneath Denver's largest pool hall. Yeah, it's like right in the heart of downtown Denver, right by the uh, like main train hub. Yeah. Huh. It has been a hot second since I've been to yeah. Denver. I-, I don't believe that I've been there. Since I've been of drinking, well, no, I've been there since I've been of drinking age, just not in Denver. right. Okay, and like doing doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. That uh, that's some insight. <laughs> I appreciate that mm-hmm. insight. Yeah, thanks. John. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Um, but uh, in regards to this, Michael, I think we have a new segment for the show, <laughs> just based on the the hoo ha and shenanigans that's going on now. There's been two major tectonic shifts in the world of craft beer in the past couple weeks, I'd say. Yeah, people have been making million-dollar moves. Which one do you think is more shocking, the one at the top of the document or at the bottom of the document? I think it's... I think it's the one at the bottom of the document. Well, I did... I mean, we've never seen anything like the top of the document before. So that one takes the cake, I think. But the bottom of the document, okay. I would never think that brewery would be involved in such a transaction. So what we're we're discussing here is the rash of brewery sales and shocking ones at that. Because if you'll remember earlier in the year, uh, Dogfish Head had sold to Boston Beer Company, which kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. At least it's not egregious. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not any sort of... Uh, 
you know, Big Grove selling to InBev or something like that. Um, it's it's an independent selling to another independent. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of filling in the holes that the other one might not have. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, from what little beer Twitter I follow, there was no real animus towards either right. brewery. There's some synergy there, kind of. That's the word. So, okay, we'll, we'll start with uh, the bottom yes. one. Just because I think the more I think about it, there's more to talk on the other yes. one. So the first one is uh, New Belgium. After 30 years. Yes, Almost. Well, 28 28 years. Uh, They sold the whole shebang. For all this talk of being, you know, the, the, what was it, uh, a B Corp, so it's environmentally friendly, owned by the employees in its entirety since 2012, partially employee-owned since 2000. Yeah. They they sold, Michael. They sold to Kieran. Probably the most, I don't want to say hippie, but most. Oh, no, they're, they're, it's them and Dogfish Head. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Free-spirited type of brewery as far as the bigger ones go the ben and jerry's of beer yeah that's a great comparison actually um who ben and jerry's did sell out to unilever didn't they anyway um, yeah, that's a, that's for our other podcast yeah you know, stick to the basics michael yes do we say to kieran did we say we did say to kieran it's okay. uh technically sold to lion little world beverages which is a subsidiary of kieran yeah which was kieran the good one or was it Sapporo, the good one? We like Kieran more than Sapporo. Okay. So I, I found a USA Today article on this that gave me the uh, the rundown on some of the basic details because if you just want basic details, USA Today is the place to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, founded in 1991 in Fort Collins, as you know. Employee-owned. Expanded in 2016 to a $140 million brewery in Asheville, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So that's just... You know, three years ago, they knocked out a giant brewery. Yeah, by coastal. Well, not coastal, but both sides. It's, of the a, it's a second one. It's it's similar to Lagunitas having a brew house in Chicago. Yeah, um, but they sold the one hundred percent of the brewery in an all cash transaction that's expected to close by year's end. They sold the entirety of the brewery in an all cash thing. Now the the kicker is because the brewery is employee owned. The employee's stock option program, or those who have stock in the company, a.k.a. the employee owners, mm-hmm. have to all vote on this. Oh, and right, yeah. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with this. I mean, if they were smart, they wouldn't reveal the uh, the, the outcome of the vote. Mm-hmm. Un- unless it's, like, super contested or and it goes to the courts or something stupid like that. Because you want to give off the image of, yeah, the employees are all winning. They'll still be employed, even though, you know, these these big national craft brands have kind of been hemorrhaging employees, it seems like, in recent years with the rise of, well, just the, the overstretching. Like, I, was it Green Flash that... Oh, yeah, that went under... That overexpanded way too fast and then just tanked a couple years ago? Yeah, I think so, yeah. But yeah. The details of the deal are not disclosed yet but the uh, the owner co-founder rather was heard to have said more than 300 employees will receive $100,000 of retirement money with some receiving vastly more yeah so what are your thoughts on this michael so i don't know how i feel about this i guess it doesn't make like we said i'm shocked that they did that um yeah. but it's not as bad as some other sales Namely to, like, AB InBev, I guess. Or even, like, Heineken. 
Do we feel like this one is a little bit easier to swallow, given that the employees do, in fact, have right. a voice in it to an extent? Yes. Whether or not they're majority shareholders remains to be seen. Yeah, so the the employee-owned thing softens a little, a little bit. The fact that it's Kieran, which, I don't know, I'm sure they have their own corporate ways that are bad, but it's not classically AB and Bev are some Fortune 500 company or something like that. Uh, Ignor- ignorance is bliss, Michael. Right, kind of one of those deals. Softens a little bit. However, you know, if it comes down to it, you know, if it's a New Belgium versus Bells, like that purchasing decision, maybe I'll just go with Bells next time. I don't know. But, you know, I'll probably st- I'll still drink New Belgium. So question, when was the last time you bought New Belgium? Like a six-pack of anything from New Belgium, for whatever reason. Uh, I did buy, well, that's a long time ago, a sampler pack for a party. Okay. We probably stuck them in, probably did an episode of them not too long ago. Oh, yeah. Like the Voodoo series. I think we had their Juicy on here or something, we or we bragged about it or something. So it's always one that I will always reach for, like, for the show, if it's something new or something that we ha- haven't had before. I believe we discussed New Belgium in the when we earlier than the summer when we did the Sampler series. We did. We flowed to New Belgium. So it's always something that's nice to have and always something a a good option that's always a good option Um, almost always a good option almost yeah that's a good point need i remind you michael cherry Cherry almond almond. yes but uh the the other brewery unless you have more to go no i think that kind of we summed it up pretty much there so in uh what has been described by our man josh noel of the chicago tribune where some of this will come from, and I'll cite him when needed. Mm-hmm. But the most of this information came from the LA Times. Uh, Ballast Point, they of Sculpin IPAs and uh, all those cool shipwreck-looking stouts with, like, skeletons and crap on them. Victory at Sea, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Some excellent beers. Uh, you may remember in 2015 they sold for a, what is still the record, mm-hmm. one billion with a b dollars to constellation brands uh, for those who are not familiar they are of the corona and modelo fame uh, ballast point was founded in 1996 outside san diego it was originally a side project of homebrew mart a local favorite supply store they broke through in 2005 with sculpin uh, the article mentioned that at the time there was the hops arms race, who to see who could make the most bitter or the hoppiest one, and they threw in a little bit of a fruity taste, which is now kind of a norm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I feel like at the time, I, I think the fruity mid-level West Coast IPA is where the IPA wars will always kind of balance out to, because at that point, there was ruination, I think, but things of that nature where they were just trying to scrape your taste buds off with hops. And then now we're at the opposite end of the spectrum where bitterness is almost verboten when you're making a new IPA. Mm-hmm. But with the Sculpin, it was just kind of right down the middle. It was, it had, you know, the IPA bitterness, the grassy flavors, but it also had a fruit back to it, which is why it worked so well with like pineapple Sculpin, yes. grapefruit Sculpin, things yeah. of that nature. But uh, Michael, they sold again. <laughs> They did sell, yes. And it's quite possibly the most confounding sale of all time, but yeah. not so confounding when I get to the quote at the end of this segment here, Michael. Yes, they they sold down, if you will, rather than 
up, if that makes sense, but yeah. Because, I mean, really, there was no way to go up. Right. Because, I mean, I don't really care who you are or what you're, or what you're doing. Even if craft beer was still on the upward trajectory it was in 2015 when they sold the Constellation, I don't think you were going to get much higher than a, a billion dollars for any craft brewery. Oh, yeah, yeah. They really pushed all their chips in onto that, and it did not work. No. Um, at their peak, right around the time of the sale to Constellation, they were making about 430,000 barrels. This past year, they are, est- or I guess this year, they are estimated to have less than half that 200,000 barrels in 2019. Yeah. But they sold to Kings and Convicts Brewing of a suburb of Chicago, Illinois. Now, Michael, you may be asking yourself, who? Yes, as almost everybody did, <laughs> yeah. In literally everyone. Yeah. The uh, They are a small operation that employs nine people, well, for now, and makes about 600 barrels annually. Now, Michael, we when, when I was doing keg math for the wedding, yeah, I realized that, you know, a half barrel is a keg. So they're making 1,200 kegs of beer. Yeah. That's not um, a lot. I mean... That's not a lot, especially when... Uh, Ballast Point was making, you know, roughly eh, just shy of a million bar- kegs of beer at their yeah. peak. So that's just a little bit of it. They sold the everything except for uh, a production brewery and brew pub in Daleville, Virginia. Um, and, you know, surprisingly enough, they're not telling us how much of a hit they took on this. Yeah. I, um, speculation has been around... 100 million, probably less, 80 million. I have seen on our, our man Josh Knoll's uh, Twitter feed at the time of the sale that it's been rumored for anywhere from like 40 to 100 million dollars. Now, for those who don't do math so good, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <it. laughs> that's at least a factor of 10 that they're taking a hit on this thing, right? At least, if not more. And I, I, I want to save the quote for the end. So, Michael, yeah. um, the the people that bought this or they got the money were revealed to have been, you know, a hotel magnate. Um, I believe there's some wine people involved. Yeah, I think it's like six people total. I believe it's six people that all pitched in for it. So it's crazy going from a publicly traded company all the way down to <laughs> privately held. Six dudes. For six dudes, it's, yeah. It's not even like a like a huge thing where it's like they got bought by Binnie's or whatever. Right. It's it's just six dudes. And I've been thinking about this all night while I've been, you know, hashing out all this stuff, and I can't tell what I think of this. Because on one hand, it's it's not a good sign for craft beer. Well, from a from a from a monetary standpoint. Right. But this does prevent it from going the way of Green Flash, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. Right. I mean, I think it's in, hopefully in good hands now. I guess that remains to be seen, but... We'll see. Um, I think it says something more about big beer trends than mm-hmm. small craft trends. Um, I've read I've read a few articles lately that are, would back you up. There's an interesting tweet thread who I really should have written down and cited... But it was, you know, if if you need to be either one of these mid-majors, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. my new catchphrase, uh, like New Belgium or, you know, Dogfish Head or something of that nature, 
Or you need to be hyper-local a la a Big Grove or Vintage Brewing up there. Yes. Because it seems like the issue comes when these companies, you know, spread out too much too soon. Yes. Yeah. Wear themselves thin. It was like Green Flash did. They just... They may... I, I distinctly remember a large amount of variety in there, which is... You know, not the worst thing to have in the world, but if you're going to have that entire variety in, you know, 40 plus states, that's yeah, yeah, right. Not that's... A good, not that's not a good sign when craft beer is at the time, you know, plateauing. I think is fair to say, mm-hmm. or on, even on the way down. And they made good beer. I think we had them on the show yeah, time several or two. times. I think, or at least twice. I think. But it's just InBev can take a hit. Mm-hmm. Like that, and Green Flash couldn't. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> As evidenced by the fact that they're not around anymore. Yeah, I mean, to ultimately, I'm happy with this move. Just you know, maybe this is being naive, and of course, there's hard to be ethical in capitalism. But to me, I, I intentionally avoided Ballast Point because Constellation Brands has had uh, controversy, such a dumb word, but like. There's water rights issues in mm-hmm. Mexico with them of some stuff that's not cool, right? And maybe not, maybe not like outright criminal, but not cool, man. Right. It could be criminal. Yeah, right. Aaron Brockovich yeah. <laughs> um, territory. Um, yeah, yeah, like taking water from people who might need it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like now, I'm happy to revisit Ballast Point again too. I'm almost, um, I'm also curious. One thing that I always noticed that kind of kept me away from Ballast Point was the price point. Yeah, I was going to say that too, but um, I think that's come down since even under Constellation Brands. I mean, I would hope so, because it was fifteen bucks a six pack. <laughs> Obviously, that sales strategy wasn't working. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 I I just don't understand how you can get away with selling a six pack of beer a regular. Mind you, six pack of beer, not like your, if it's your cra- if it's your crazy imperial stout that only comes out once a year. Okay, I I get it. I a might flagship. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Standard. The, yeah. the Sculpin year round was fifteen dollars for a six pack of beer, and I imagine that there's a little bit of a like a whatever the opposite of stigma is. Oh yeah, like there's a marketing, it's kind of a halo effect for being more expensive. Yeah. Kind of deal. Yeah. Kind of like how Heineken used to be back in the day. Right. Where <laughs> there you was... just assu- would you assume it was better because it was more expensive. And there was 20 breweries or something like that. And, yeah. and that too. Yeah. Um, I hope that uh, Kings and Convicts, which is made by a Brit and an Australian, which I found delightful. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, I hope that they're able to keep the the quality at the level because it is good beer every uh enemy of the show ryan he uh he was a big fan of imperial stouts and of sours oddly enough Mm -hmm. which are two things that ballast point does extremely well and so whenever i would he would you know come over and hang out and grab a six-pack it would be of something from ballast Ballast Point, point yeah because he doesn't buy a ton of beer so if one does that then a 12 to 15 dollar six pack is not the biggest deal in the world and it's always been good because i always take one <laughs> yeah we had the mango even keel on the show i like that a lot oh yeah but, uh, that was a good beer um 
I'm, I'm curious quote. to see where this all oh, yeah. goes. The, yes. the quote, Michael, the one yes. that's uh, that is going to be come it's up telling. again. Again and again in 2020, I'm calling yep. it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is just one of those tides yeah. that's going to come in, and I honestly don't know which way it's going to go. But the quote from Bill Newlands, Constellation Brands President and Chief Executive Officer, and this is from the, as noted in the LA Times, I'm, and I quote, Trends in the U.S. craft beer segment have shifted dramatically since our acquisition of Ballast Point. Ballast Point remains one of the most iconic craft beer brands in the country, and we're pleased to transition the business to an owner that can devote the resources needed to fuel its future successes. At the same time, this decision allows Constellation to focus more fully on maximizing growth for our high-performing import portfolio and upcoming new product introductions, including Corona Hard Seltzer, scheduled to launch this spring. Yeah. On a side note, also, as I was digging through Joel Josh Knowles' uh, Twitter feed, which you can find at Hopnotes on Twitter, and I highly recommend you all follow him, uh, inside sources claim Constellation is also shopping Funky Buddha, which is another one of those regional big dogs. Was it, what is, would you say it would be kind of like when a Wicked Weed sold or kind of like when Cigar City sold to Canarchy or something like that? Yeah, yeah, kind of that. Well, I know that was kind of a little craft darling, Funky Buddha. Yeah. No, it's kind of shocking what's sold. There were also reports from Beer Insights, which is apparently an industry magazine uh, that's been around since 1970, claims that Stone is looking to sell, which the brewery has vehemently denied. That one... I don't. I th- I feel like that one would be more shocking than New Belgium, because at least with New Belgium, oh, yeah. I, th- I think that you know, you can mainstream New Belgium if you haven't already. Fat Tire is a totally mainstreamable beer, if it's not already done. Right. Yeah. Whereas Stone is a little Whereas more Stone niche and. <laughs> Do they have? I mean, their flag. <laughs> their flagship is what the uh, the Stone IPA. I guess so. Yeah. It'd have to be right. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. But yeah. Corona hard seltzer. Yeah, hard seltzer. Yet again. P- the pivot to hard seltzer probably ultimately meant the pivot of Ballast Point to a tiny group of people and a tiny brewery. Michael, next time you're at your grocery store, I want you to go to where you remember the Fancy Pants craft beer, maybe the local craft beer, but or just, you know, like the, the fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. Where that was in a cooler, like in the open the door cooler, not in the open face cooler. Mm-hmm. And I want you to see what's there. Because in mine, it's all hard seltzer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just that one uh. specific four foot section is all hard seltzer. And it's weird. Yeah. It's been a weird year. <laughs> It's beer. been an extra. I mean, for just a million reasons, but yeah, especially for beer. Uh, Jeremy, should we go on to the FDR? This story is evolving. I'm sure we'll uh, come back to more seltzers and more sales in the coming months. I just feel like we're on a precipice of something here. But let's let's move on to the FDR, which has nothing to do with anything <laughs> that we're talking about. Because once again. We're going back to the Uniques. I think this is the last in the series of the Uniques. Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique Ottawa, Illinois. We're actually, I think we're doubling up on this brewery officially because this is... We are. Yeah. Tangled Roots, Matthiasen, English Mild. Take a hike on the mild side. 
so yes, uh, another one from Craisins of the Show here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I, I have some flavor text here from the distributor because I could not find it for the life of me on the brewery's website. Even though they have pictures of it on the website, I couldn't find the profile. So I, I hope they still make this. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe the, the, we're having a dying breed here. Tangled Roots, Matthias and English Mild. When you're getting ready to hike the canyons of Matthiasen State Park in Illinois, don't forget to pack a mild ale that won't weigh you down. Our mild is made to be light-bodied, meshing toffee chocolate undertones with a delicate ale character that makes it easy to enjoy anywhere. After all, the only thing that makes the great outdoors even better is a great beer. It is a uh, 4.1% ABV. And, uh, oh, there's a little bonus flavor text here on the bottle. Roasted malts mingle with hints of chocolate in our light body mild, making it the perfect way to kick back after a day on the trails. That was the same thing with different words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, typical of an, a mild ale, low ABV, and I'm assuming it's going to have a pretty mild hop character. Not sure much else to say on the outside here. The bottle is a little different than a typical bottle. It has kind of this uh, swooping neck that blends into the base but um it does any, it uh any... it, it kind of it reminds me of oddly enough english uh beer bottles oh yeah maybe that's it that's probably it right <laughs> i mean in theory so let's give this one an open i'm starting to wonder if he's just had this beer in his uh basement for like <laughs> 10 years and is just trying to get rid of it to a bunch of dopes who will drink whatever they do <laughs> um it, it kind of looks like it's made year round i think it i think it is i that website's a little wonky it is the most recent review on beer advocate is from april 21st 2019 so at the very least uh i i have untapped ratings from this month so okay good with pictures of it at a brew pub so it's it's still around um yeah english miles i don't know the i always get excited about trying them and then Sometimes I'm let down by them. I don't have them too often, and I think that's why I get excited, but I, I don't know. We'll see how this one is. But I developed a great affinity for the English Milds when I was in that part of the world, mostly because they, a few of the breweries that I tried over there, bless their hearts, they tried to make an IPA, and I believe Brew Dogs were the only ones who did it Oh yeah, properly. Because they're just essentially an American brewery that just happens to be Scottish, but uh, yeah, there it was a lot of Peronis being drank in London. I distinctly remember that, mm-hmm. which seemed odd. Yeah, that's a fascist beer. It is. <laughs> there's your there's your episode title, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one. It smells good. It smells right. I'm waiting for this head to go down, and it's yeah. not. It's like a... Early, my head dissipated pretty quickly. Uh, what glass are you using, Michael? I'm just using a shaker. I figured that'd I'm be adequate. I'm using a Pilsner glass, which appears to have been a poor choice. Yeah, maybe not a lot of uh, head space there. Not a lot. Surface to um, volume. I'm at about 55-45 beer to head on this Whoa. thing. The glass is full. It's starting to go down. Okay. But I think I may have uh, jostled this beer when I was moving my computer. I see. It smells uh, chocolatey and sweet, in my opinion. It does smell sweet. The color is a chestnut brown. 
Would you say that's a chestnut brown? I mean, I have been roasting chestnuts on my open fire this <laughs> month, right. so yes. Um, I mean, I guess I can go in while you... This is absurd. <laughs> Do you want to rate the foam? Um, three. Um, no, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, at first, first glance, that's not bad. It's um, it is sweet. It's it has that. I don't want to say watery, but it's. I mean, as a mild, it's just not as it's, it's like a, it's a th- it's thinner. I believe. Yes, is the thinner. Word yes, for. there you go. The the body is just yeah thinner. Um, mm-hmm. Which, uh, to me, is probably one of the most distinct features of these beers. It is, certainly. Um, no matter which one you have, at least in my experiences, and I drank a lot of different miles while I, while I was over there. I think I had 22 different kinds in, like, 10 days. The taste is almost, like, in the same ballpark as, like, a Guinness, as far as the malts. It's not as strong, just, again, because it's thinner. Um, mouth mouthfeel's not as thick. Mouthfeel not the same, but just like the actual flavor itself. It does uh, have that light roast character going on to it. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like this is actually kind of the perfect beer for tonight, Michael. Yes. Because you see, I don't know about you, man, but it's been cold and garbagey outside. But it's, but it's also a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. It's it's dark without being overbearing. Uh huh. It's not heavy. This this feels like just sitting at a pub, having mm-hmm. your... It's it's not quite a session. Right. Although, I I mean... It could be and, a sessionable. It, it is sessionable, and I think... It, I'm just thinking strictly in the English sense of the word. Right, yeah. Where it had to be like at the weird Mormon level of ABV. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... It so seems like it would pair well with food, just because it's has that kind of wash it down type quality to it. I don't know. It's just very easy to drink and it's flavored enough that you're tasting it, but it's light bodied enough that it's quaffable and unintrusive. Do we feel like this is the English version of a Bud Light, this style, the light lager? Because lagers, if I'm remembering correctly, because good Lord, it has been five years. Uh, lagers were not like super popular. Mm. It was more ales, and granted, the 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 ABVs didn't quite you know fly around like American ABVs will. But I feel like the heaviest one, the stout that the people would tell you, and I watch out about that, would be about six percent. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember you uh, telling me that story. Like, yeah, yeah. Be careful, that one's 6%. It's just like 6%. What? Son, please. <laughs> but, uh, which technically is how things should be. We Americans just kind of do everything too much. Right. <laughs> but, That's you a know, nice way of putting it. I mean, this one is, this one is at the lower end of the spectrum of the English spectrum. <laughs> right. I guess. I guess. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those ones you can like, you know what? I'd like to have a beer and then go home and parent my children and be stern by the fireplace. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, you mentioned the setting we're having this and the time we're having this, because peeling back the curtain, I had one of these on the party bus at the bachelor party. I did too. And, well, it was it was fine. It just wasn't, wasn't, the, right wasn't the right mood for it. And it, yeah, it's just I just kind of felt like I was passively drinking it. But right now, it's just like hitting the spot. It's, like you said, it's just... a great setting for this sitting back relaxing 
enjoying a brew. Talking uh, with my old pal Michael, catching up on my television shows. Yep. So, oh, here, wait. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. As as you said, you had several of these in, in jolly old Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is... What, what is your thought on the fizz? Because to me, English milds classically would be flatter than this. That's was one of the, my main concerns about this. Um, the beer I remember most fondly from my time overseas, outside of the first one that I had at Brew Dogs because I was had been traveling for like 20 hours or something dumb like that, or what felt like 20 hours anyways, was probably the Brains English Mild. Brains being a very well-regarded brewery in Cardiff, Wales. I do, Like you say, I don't remember them being this fizzy. I do remember them having a little bit of a uh, of a snap on the fizz, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like a bite you would get off of like a a non diet cola. Oh yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Just just that acidic snap to it. Yellow. Yeah. Oh wow, the guy's last name was actually Brain. Weird. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Weird. But yeah, it's. It's a little bit fizzier than I remember an English mild being, but who knows? It's it's an American version. Yeah. And there's also a little bit of a coppery taste on this one, at least in my bottle anyway. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's a little kind of sheen there. Mm-hmm. Brains, guess... brains bitter. That's the one. That's the one. No, 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 no. Brains S.A. Sorry. That was the flagship. Okay. Light-colored, multi-best bitter. Colloquially known as Skull Attack, <laughs> which is pretty metal. Yeah. T- technically. Brain Skull Attack. Okay. Um, Should we make a uh, a mild, Michael? That would be an interesting endeavor. I, I think you'd want a little... You'd want a li- something else to it besides just that. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have 60... 50 bottles of an English mild. If you do a full brew, you do. Well, that's true. You could do a smaller batch, but, um, I don't know, add some adjunct, like a little vanilla. Is that weird? Or it depends how traditionally you want to go. But to me, if you, and maybe that's part of the complaint about this style and this beer for me is that, yeah, it's really, it's good, but there's not a lot of pizzazz there. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the American in me, but yeah. It is. Some of the other <laughs> best ones that I remember from Shepherd Namey Brewery, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, Spitfire Premium Kentish Ale, which is a cask-conditioned ale, delicious, and Bishop's Finger, which I got because I'm an infant, and that was uh, a fine English ale. Yeah. So, check, look into those. I think that a uh, beer cloning book actually has recipes for both of those Mm. so anyways rating yes i guess i'll take a sip of judgment hmm it's weird because i i again we had this i had this before wasn't the hugest fan but having it now i'm liking it more it's not like amazing but it's i think it services the style well it's kind of putting me in a weird spot where Maybe I just got to do the cop-out rating. Well, then, okay, before you cop out and totally ruin everything, uh-huh. what do you dislike about this? Not a big fan of the weak body. Mm-hmm. I know that's what the style is, so I guess I'm just not a fan of that 
of that aspect of the style. And while I do appreciate that the flavor has not gotten worse over time, at the same time, it hasn't like evolved. Like mm-hmm. it's largely the same as the first sip, which was good, but the flavor's kind of dragging a little bit. And now that I think about it, there is kind of a lingering sweetness in my mouth too, which... um, It's not aggressive though. It's not aggr- yeah, it's it could be a lot. We've had worse. Um mm-hmm. Oh god, yes. Yeah. Uh So that's but I mean I think aside that there's not much to complain about. I do like the malt. It's like a biscuity type sweetness, a biscuity kind of maltiness, um chocolatey. A biscuit is a cookie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, what kind of biscuit am I talking about? Actually, I'm talking about a cookie. Um mm-hmm like a digestive something that's not real sugary obviously but mm-hmm. a grainy type biscuit um a crisp is a chip <laughs> you know this is a cop rating but i think it's it's kind of lands there i think it's a 3.5 okay it's it's pretty solid um you know if you had asked me this on the party bus i probably might have gone even two, sub two, three five. yes something like that but Mm-hmm. Tonight it's hitting the spot. Good. Um, mine has finally calmed it down, so I'm able to finally, you know, imbibe more than just a sip or two that I've had. So yeah. I'm gonna do that. A, a guzzle of judgment here. The one biggest flaw that I have with these uh, bottled American versions of an English mild is they do get a little bit of the coppery taste, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And this one is having that in spades. And the uh, the coppery taste is kind of distracting from everything. In this particular bottle, it's overwhelming. Mm. But I'm going to... I don't believe... I do not remember that happening when I had this earlier, so I'm going to disavow that and go with what I can you know, get out of this beer. Mm-hmm. The fizz is a little overpowering. I also feel that when you have such a delicate flavor, because it's such a low ABV, low gravity beer, that having that fizz, which is not a taste, but it can replace taste, if that makes any sense. I see what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Uh, Or at least it can just, you know... Cover. The carbon dioxide popping on your tongue yeah just sort of prevents the the flavor from washing over and when there's not that much flavor per you know drop of beer is compared to a different style it's a little bit of a a problem i do like the malt i do like the style i think i like the style more than you do which is weird i'm gonna go in for one more goj grand old judgment the uh the copperiness is is making this very very difficult. Really, if, if, if my, this was if this was fresher, mine didn't really. Ha- I mean, it had that a little bit, but not. It wasn't overpowering or anything. I wonder if this is bottle situational here, but or if it's you know because of the fizz and it's. I I don't know. Um, anyway, it's, it's, it's with your heart po- and it's, it's possible, if not probable. Yeah, I would say that this probably has about a point five star deficit than what it would be if it was like fresh but i'm going to give this a 3.25 
Okay. Because I do like it despite the uh, the odd off flavors that I think are unique to this bottle, or at least this age of the bottle. So, to be determined, I remember liking this beer, so please don't take my rating as hard and fast truth. It's fluid, yeah. yeah. I, I know you normally would, Michael, but... <laughs> uh, you know, I think this is a very scientific process. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that makes sense, yeah. But... But yeah, Michael, those are the uniques. That, that yeah, that has been the uniques. And this has been American Pale Males. Again. <laughs> I was gonna say cheers and just wrap it up, but I'll quickly say you can find us on Twitter at APMPod, Facebook.com slash APMPod. Email us directly, APMPod at gmail.com. You can also look us up on Untapped where host Emeritus Mike keeps up with all of our ratings there. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. But uh, we'll leave it at that. So for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I have been Jeremy. This has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>